Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bringing Design Closer. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a service designer and founder of This Is HCD and CEO of ThisIsDoing.com, where we provide live online design and innovation classes, providing training for service designers, design researchers, product managers, user experience designers, content designers, and much, much more. Today in the show is Ronan Healy and Jane Hessian, two of Ireland's leading Lego serious play practitioners. And in this episode, we learn more about the methods of a serious play practitioner and how these can enable difficult conversations within organisations. One of the highlights for me was the statistic that Ronan mentioned where serious Lego play workshops involved 75% listening, something that really blew me away. And one of the key questions for me was how Ronan and Jane get around the cynicism that is attached to serious Lego play by bringing Lego into low design mature organisations could easily backfire you could imagine or so I thought. We also chat openly about what it's like having a business with your life partner and if they use serious Lego play at home. Ronan and Jane were wonderful guests and I really really enjoyed having them on the show but anyway I've chatted too much so let's get straight into the episode. Ronan Healy and Jane Hessian, a very warm welcome to Bringing Design Closer. How are you? We're great, Jerry. How are you? Thank Hi, you so much for having us on this morning. Well, I'm delighted to have you. I've been a big fan and I got introduced to Ronan a number of years ago and I've got introduced to you on email a couple of months ago as well. Uh, I've been excited to get to speak to you. Where are you guys today? We are actually on holidays in sunny Kilkee where the rain, <laughs> we can hear the rain from outside, but it's been nice to have a few days break, definitely. Sunny Kilkee, that must be a new marketing slogan. I, I must have missed that because it's sunny there twice in my life whenever I've been there, but it's a beautiful part of the world. I absolutely love Kilkee. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely beautiful. And the sunshine is within, Jerry. It's always within. <laughs> Said like a true Irish person. We're eternally optimistic about the weather in Ireland. But today, Ronan and Jane, we're going to speak around serious play, a method that Ronan has been talking to me about for quite a while, and you too as well, Jane. But let's start off. Tell us a little bit about your business. How might we and also clients that you work with with serious play? I think I'll I'll just take the lead here. First of all, I think the main commonality, I suppose, between myself and Ronan, not only are we husband and wife, so we're definitely all in on play. We have a big commonality between us, which is entrepreneurship. Whereas Ronan primarily comes from a background of family of entrepreneurs, I would have always been very fascinated, I suppose, by the entrepreneurial spirit. And this would then have led me to researching it from an academic perspective. Yeah, I suppose I have a more practical exposure with my mum, my dad, my uncles and aunts. But I I kind of also then went into college and and did quite a broad degree in, in terms of politics and public administration, and then continued my master's in entrepreneurial management, which is where 
I actually got in- introduced to creative problem solving. It was kind of my little first foray into the meta world of that is design. And then from that, I keep my interest in, in what is design and, and also these innovative methods. Because I, I transitioned into a family business, which is a modular building business. So very much around product design. And I had to wrap so much services around that. And the day I, I read that all products are services, it just made so much mm-hmm. sense to me at that time. Yeah. Um, I suppose, obviously, Ronan talks about coming from a background of, of entrepreneurs, whereas for me, as I said, I was always really, really interested in research. In college, I undertook a PhD where I studied Polish entrepreneurship, and all of my research really was qualitative research. I also had a book, Women in the Modern Workplace, which was a qualitative study looking at female entrepreneurship in Ireland. So for me, it was really the background of researching entrepreneurship that I was always really interested in. Nice. So tell us, for the listeners today who may not know what serious play is, maybe Ronan, tell us what serious play is in your words. So Lego serious play, I suppose you can break it down into three components, really. There's Lego, then there's serious play, and then there's play. We kind of don't see it being done often to segment it that way. Um, if I'm to give you a more high-level overview of what mm. it is, it's a facilitated thinking, communicating, and problem-solving method. So that's okay. very high level. So you're, you're thinking, you're communicating. And when, when we say communicating, it's about listening. It is very, okay. very much a listening tool. And, and that, for us, is where the power of this method really resides. And then in terms of problem-solving, for us, kind of our perspective on it is around systems thinking. There is a huge component of systems thinking in it. So I suppose if we're to talk about, about mm-hmm. Lego. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, in terms of Lego, I, I think it's really important that you know, we're not asking people who participate in our workshops to build traditional Lego objects, such as the Millennium Falcon. There is no right or wrong. And I think that's really, really important. Mm. Instead, we are asking people to build much more abstract models, such as people would be building their values, their personal values, their beliefs, their competitors. People would be building, how do you see yourself in your role or where do you see yourself in five years in the organization, emerging trends and so on. So I think for us as well, the most powerful aspect of Lego Serious Play isn't about the creative aspect of the build. As Rona said, it really is about the art of listening because everybody is listening to each other. And we do use a statistic in our workshops that all participants in the workshop will be listening for 75% of the time. And we think that's really, really powerful. Mm. Uh, This is what we call coherent communication. So I think that's one of the most powerful aspects of Lego Serious Play. So how, how is it used? So uh, I'm keen to understand the people that bring it into the organization as well, but how have you seen it being adopted in organizations? And what problems have people thrown at it as a terms of a method? So I'd say the more traditional perspective on Lego Series Play is mm. that there's a facilitator. If you get into the nuances of it, it's, it's like if it, there isn't a facilitator, then it's not Lego Series Play. And, and for us, we think that's not quite the truth. We think that is holding back the method itself. We think it is far more accessible if you can give people sufficient understanding of the method. So to that point, there is either a facilitator or there, we believe there does not need to be a facilitator and a team can do this quite easily amongst themselves. 
The type of work that we have been doing is team alignment is one thing that's quite popular. And we kind of see people's eyes light up when we, we actually give a staff that 75% listening time. It's actually from a facilitation perspective, it's called stacking. So in terms of like, how does somebody listen for 75% of the time? Well, we just ensure that we're kind of the mediators and one person speaks and everyone else listens. And that will generate a 75% listening time. Mm-hmm. When we're talking to people, prospective clients, they get very excited about that. The creative aspect of using Lego, we don't lead with that. We think that's secondary. We think mm-hmm. listening is, is primary because if you're trying to develop a strategy, and there's two people out of 10 doing all the talking. That's their yeah. strategy. So there's yeah. other departments who aren't contributing, or they've contributed a little bit. With this, it's a hands-on workshop or a hands-on conversation where you have to construct something. If you're not constructing, you're not engaging in the conversation. If you're not engaging in the conversation, that lack of the build is very obvious. Mm. So everybody gets involved in building. We think, and it's come back in really good feedback, is that people just appreciate the fact that they've been listened to mm-hmm. and we're acting yeah. mediator. So that's one thing. So team alignment, the amount of change that, that teams are going through right now is, and it's, it's only going to accelerate. That's the reality, yeah. particularly what we're living through in terms of COVID. So aligning teams around behaviors, mindsets, attitudes, process, procedures, policies, Mm. It's incredibly important that it's a, as Jane said, it's a coherent communication that everybody is involved cross-functionally and that everybody is being listened to. Mm. Alignment is core at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I suppose it's it's important as well to, to know we're not these two raving Lego fans, two crazy adults playing with Lego. We do take a, a very academic scientific perspective on this method. So as a, a service design studio, we do have a much greater focus on people. So people's mental models, their relationships and processes, as opposed to over tech and over products. So I think as well, Ronan said, we're not consultants. We are facilitators because we thoroughly believe that the answer is in the room. And we really are there to flatten that hierarchy and to accelerate the learning and mm give everybody an opportunity, you know, to participate in these really important communications and conversations. Because sometimes in traditional other forms of team workshops, they mightn't have been given that opportunity mm-hmm. to contribute. So it is a very democratic model. It's, it's a very honest model as well. So how do you handle the cynicism that sometimes can get attached with the childlike perception of of Lego being brought into an old world and structures that may not really permit that type of jovial, colorful bricks being put on on a table, and they may feel like they can't break out of those structures. So how have you managed to get around those kind of conversations? We absolutely embrace the cynicism. We, we really do. We, because I think like anything, if you're going to deliver good work, you got to push yourself and for, for engaging with one particular stakeholder, they might be the person actually making the financial decision on this and also themselves being mm. a representative of this method. It could be a case of they brought 10, 15 of their peers into a room and it was a disaster. So, so we really have to step up and we embrace the cynicism. We will say, bring the cynic in the room mm. because it, it actually works on, on multiple levels. It's that the cynic, because you're operating from a stacking perspective, the cynic 
is oftentimes the person who has tried many times to enact some change. They have that energy still in them. Mm -hmm. So they're just probably not being listened to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But in this method, they are, they're being listened to, or it's when the cynic is actually engaging and they're actually building and they're actually listening. Everybody else opens up. We'd call it reciprocal opening. If you open Mm -hmm. up, then I'll open up. Mm -hmm. And if you open up, then I open up. And that's where if you're engaging with that cynic, you're sitting with that cynic and they're opening up, you're starting to tap into that tacit knowledge that they have, that perspective that they have. And you can see it. You can see it in the body language in the room. Yeah. Uh, The beginning, we show people as they go throughout the day, images of them when they went in and there's like, there's very little smiles. There's a very rigid body posture thinking like, what am I doing here? I'm an adult. I'm a grown adult. I'm doing this thing. Plus I'm too busy. But for us, and this is when we're talking about breaking what is Lego serious play down into there's Lego, then there's serious play. But for us, play, like what is play is a fascinating mm. thing. And when you're playing, it's a very innate, instinctual act that's actually yeah. hardwired into the human body. Because you have to think like, what is this thing? What is this spirit that envelops us? This yeah. energy. So I, I, I don't want to get too deep, far down what, that quite yet, but like, if you're the cynic, you're tapping into a very primitive ancestral wisdom that's just telling your body, it's telling your brain, hey, this is good. It's Whatever safe. this is, this is good. So that's like, we'll call it the neocortex, the, the executive function is actually saying, I think we're okay on this one because you've got the mm. primitive part of your brain saying, this is good. I know what this is for hundreds of thousands of millions of years. So just yeah. be present. It's the whole Malcolm Gladwell thing of 10,000 hours to get good at something, which may or may not be true because the argument there is that I've spent more than 10,000 hours driving a car and I'm not a Formula One driver. That that argument is true, but intentional practice Mm -hmm. and intentional approach to improving the craft of something, Mm -hmm. like playing guitar is a good example. Like I play guitar a couple of hours a week, but I don't really do my scales and I don't really do practicing solos or any of that kind of stuff. I just play for fun. But at no point am I ever expecting to oust edge out of U2. So it's because I don't have the that that willingness to to practice those things. So serious play, do you think it's it's the same model that being attached to serious and play? It, it's not like serious as in like no fun. Yeah. Or is it serious in terms of how it's framed as getting better at it? Well, I think also as well, just to reiterate as well as a creative tool, as I said, you know, earlier, there is no right or wrong. And I think once individuals in our workshop know that they own their build, so what they build and whatever meaning they assign to that build, there is no right or wrong. It's what they interpret Mm -hmm. their builds to mean. And I think that's really important because I've participated in lots of creative workshops over the years, and some of them can be intimidating. Like mm. the storytelling or the sketching, people can say, oh, I'm not good at that. Oh, yeah. This is a bit intimidating. So we feel that the bricks and they're not that intimidating to respondents. Yeah. In, if in if I can just segue back into like the play element of things mm. and like you learning how to play the guitar, some of the creative exercises that are used, again, but like we say in a workshop, but our view of Lego series play is that it can happen in a meeting. There doesn't need to be a facilitator in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I suppose I really want to call that to attention because it's probably still very workshop heavy. But in terms of like learning a guitar or learning a craft, the real benefit of we see of Lego series play is the activation of your hand and your mind 
And actually, there's a nexus. It's called the hand-mind nexus. Because yeah. mankind, we are tool makers. We've been making tools for hundreds of thousands of years, literally since human existence, to get us out of a VUCA environment, which is used nowadays. It's volatile, it's uncertain, it's complex and ambiguous. That's the savannas of Africa. Like that yeah. is like, talk about that getting attacked by a tribe or eaten by a lion. We talk about like digital disruption in the same way. But in terms of this hand-mind language nexus, you're actually accessing a primitive ancestral wisdom of I use my hand to think and engage language. Because before we could speak, we were using our hand and our brain. And then language, yeah. language was derived out of tool. Mm. And there's now more studies than ever saying that they're actually getting people just to use flint, just to build flint mm -hmm. tools. And it's building white matter and white brain matter, and it's building brain connectivity. So yeah. it, goes, it goes back to this, this just feels right. Yeah. Whatever this is, it feels right. Absolutely. And like, it's just going on to build on something that when you were speaking there, I can hear lots of similarities and some of the research that I've done actually in Australia, like in New South Wales. And I spoke to somebody called Raven Kaliana, who was an amazing person. She's a puppeteer. And she spoke about being trafficked as a child and how they moved into creating puppets as a supporting tool to for, for children who, who've suffered abuse. Now, the same way with this, it's like a, it's a boundary object that sits outside of, it's a new language for teams to use to help build and reflect their perception of reality is what I'm trying to understand. I think that's what I'm hearing. It's a shared language and it's a standardized language that they can build and then you can take that forward in the workshop. Is that correct? Yeah, I think also as well, just going back to what is, we've obviously covered off the Lego, what is the serious play? And you're right, it does relate to a range of techniques and such as obviously a Lego serious play, but improv and prototyping and body storming and gamification. These are all used obviously within the workplace, the workshop. these complex problems. But unfortunately, these really haven't been widely embraced either. And, and what I would say is like business has embraced as an example, we'll just say war metaphors. So like mm. a war chest, strap, yeah. marketing campaigns. We want to capture market share. So in terms of like, because you're building a metaphor technically, but yet in business, war seems to be a good enough metaphor that we can continuously use. But one of the most you know, seminal business strategy books that have been written is called The Art of War. Mm. By Sun Tzu. And it's, people, I think, glossed over the fact that it's the art of war. Yeah, and I think to me, research is serious play. I mean, some of the greatest scientists have had a you know serious obsession about their own work, but they've done so playfully. I mean, it was you know Einstein that said that play is the highest form of research. So, just building on the art of war, Ronan, like, can you tell me more about where you how you see the similarities between war and serious play? We actually still perpetuate this war metaphor when we're talking to when you're trying. We don't lead with it. Okay, too much. But yeah. we have to distance Lego from just childlike, frivolous activity. So yeah. what we're, we, we talk about is that we will touch upon the art of war and say, like, have you even acknowledged that it says art, the art of war? And then we actually show people in our workshops, ultimately, you're about halfway through, again, depending on how long it's a day or two or three days engagement. Mm. But ultimately, what we're getting people to do is engage in systems thinking. When you're engaging in systems thinking, you're standing up and you're pointing at stuff and you're moving stuff around. And then yeah. show them an image of, let's just say, the D-Day, the planning strategy for the Normandy D-Day landings. 
and there's minerals yeah. pointing and they're moving stuff and they're strategizing. And it's the same thing. You're just using objects. Absolutely. I, I see that. I'm hearing it. It's more like therapy in some ways for teams because in toxic environments, it's very hard to to raise things that are very sensitive and they mightn't be in a safe environment typically. So it opens the doors for those kind of communication styles to be allowed. And it's like you can point at the object and say, well, I didn't say it, but here's what I'm thinking. Like you can't really be shot for creating it. So it's a confidence builder really Precisely. in some ways. It, it actually yeah? kind of creates a third party. So you're like, because normally we're trading yeah. words over and back. And now all of a sudden there's a third object. You're looking at this object. And even like back to your point about language, this is the thing about the tribe-like language that different departments or different disciplines like Lean Six Sigma and service design and like you name it, everyone has their own terminology and jargon. Mm. But just try and armor up with all of that terminology and language when you're dealing with little Lego pieces. So that yeah. all that language and the layers of tribalism get stripped away. So you're absolutely you're actually communicating authentically. And I would even say on a maybe a non-obvious level, it's just that you look childlike mm. when you're surrounded by Lego. So you're not that intimidating, even though you're the CEO of Megacorp mm -hmm. Inc. Your body posture is crumpled because you're yeah. pulling around this object. The prosody and tone of your voice, because you're speaking into the object not mm. directly at somebody. So these are all non-threatening cues of safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to, like psychological safety, Google has done a wonderful job of highlighting psychological safety being so important. If you don't build psychological safety, you're not going to get to creativity. Because Absolutely not. Yeah. Feel safe to be creative. And then if you have creativity, forget about innovation. Yeah. How have you handled, there's definitely going to be cases of this where you've asked values or to build something that reflects the internal or organizational culture and you might see something like a jail being put up how have you managed to get around those kind of conversations when the ceo is in the room like everything i think it's how you design the workshop yeah. or the experience so you so, never aim for the target too soon and yeah. you also we spend a lot of time prior to actually delivering a workshop mm -hmm. just becoming attuned to the cultural sensitivities yeah. of the actual organization mm. itself and so that's something that you'll just get a feel for. Yeah. Has there been any conflicts? Because I'm aware that each object that's created, there may be conflict that has been brought into the room. And how has that been handled through? There's definitely been situations where certain individuals obviously might feel very heated about a certain subject that mm. matter that they're talking about. And we have had to intervene and mm -hmm. say, look, this isn't the forum today to discuss this any further. And we really kind of manage those conversations. But fingers crossed to this day, we haven't had any upsets in the room. But as Rona yeah. said as well, we have really worked with the clients before their team come in to the workshop that day. So we have a great feel about the team, who they yeah. are, people's roles and so on. So I think that's very, very important as well. So when you're designing the workshops and you've identified that some teams may, they mightn't be the most open, you're like, okay, there may be some blockages here in their, in their communication styles. Obviously, when you approach the workshop, the outcome that you'd love to achieve is having the teams feel more comfortable at the end of it to be able to speak up and have an open dialogue between certain things. Well, what are the kind of things that you do in that workshop? I'm really keen to understand like, more around the method of things that you do as rituals in the workshop to aid those kind of things to happen. 
But I think probably one of the most important when we're designing the workshop is flatten that hierarchy as well. So even down to the seating arrangements where everybody is sitting is really, really important to make sure that we're not having all senior managers sitting at the table together. So that's really, really important as well. We're spreading everybody out because I think that will make people open up a lot more as well. Because it can be very, very intimidating if you're sitting at a desk with two or three of your direct managers that you report to. Mm. We get to the more challenging topics later in the day, but we really are building that psychological safety as we go along the day. And then it's it's even working with the client saying, okay, at this point, who needs to sit where? Who needs to sit at at this one table when we get to Mm -hmm. this particular conversation? And and we we always frame it as well is that there is no wrong or right. What we're, what we're really trying to aim for today is a different way to think. And this Lego series play method is very immediately to people, very immediately to people that, okay, well, this is different. And then we start with the skills build, I suppose, really is, is very important. I suppose that would be the first build mm. as us as facilitators in the room. So first of all, we would obviously legitimize the Lego series play method. And that's really, really important that we do that because we have to go through We don't basically just get people to start playing with Lego. We have to give the background story. We don't go too theory heavy, but Mm. really like we're doing today, what is Lego? What is serious play? What is play? Who has used it? Where has it worked? And the first build is what we call a skills build. And an example of a skills build would be everybody has two minutes to build a tower. There's no right or wrong. Everybody has the same amount of time, they're given the same brief, and they have the same amount of Lego pieces in front of them. In terms of who sits where, when, we will work with the client to really ensure that as the day progresses and we're moving into the more challenging considerations, that the right people are sitting at the right table. But we also transition them out of that table as well for for other parts of of the day. And one thing we're, we're consistently saying is that this is a different day it's a different way of of behaving it's a different way of thinking Mm. it's a different way of communicating so right now reserve judgment from being wrong or right all we want to have is a shared perspective and what we want to do in having a shared perspective is just to see what comes out at the end of the day without getting into you're wrong and i'm right because we've been operating in that modality for a long time and we have one day Let's see how this one or two days go and see what the outcomes are. If we can just say what we want is a shared perspective. When you say, I see what you're saying, Lego series play, you literally see what they're saying. It's an yeah, not, on a table. It's, it's, it's a visualization tool. It's very, very similar to some of the other things that typical service designers or UX designers would use in terms of sense making in sorts. It's, it's a sense making tool of reality. But what I'm what I'm really keen to understand more around is what what does it look like post workshop? Say say you go in and you do one workshop and they see real value. Where can they where can they take this? Like, do you want them to maintain and retain those skills to aid communication? So when you've got two teams coming together, they, they whip out the bricks, or or how have you seen it being successfully adopted mo- moving forward post workshop? So that's where we're spending a huge amount of time in terms of post-workshop deliverables. And we have a series of slide decks that teams can facilitate themselves. Okay. We give them Lego pieces themselves. So we, we, we want just to take that energy and that mm-hmm. spirit 
back when we're gone. Like that's yeah. the most important thing because Lego Serious Play is generally, we kind of started saying this at the beginning is that the facilitator needs to be in that room. Yeah. We don't think so. And we don't think this method will ever scale and have, have real, real, you know, tangible benefits if there always has to be that facilitator in the room. So we, we have a series of other of support tools. Mm-hmm. As much as we obsess about the workshop itself, it's been, and, and this is, as Jane said, we're all in on this. It's a husband and wife team. So it's like, yeah. it's constant. We're constantly talking about like, how can we support? The dream team. It's the dream team. <laughs> I, I, maybe, maybe we should speak a little bit more around that because what's it like working with your nearest and dearest nine to five and then like saying, right, I'm going home now. And then you turn the corner there and then there again. <laughs> how, how have you managed that? I mean, it's entrepreneurship, isn't it? It's it's the roller coaster of, of emotions up and down. But I suppose just to give you a, a bit of backstory, it's actually not our first time working together. We actually started working yeah. together in Australia so in Australia, I was head of a business faculty in Sydney and Melbourne. And one of my big tasks when I undertook the role was to really revamp their business curriculum. And they had probably what I would say an outdated entrepreneurial curriculum. So they wouldn't have had any entrepreneurial mindset programs, anything around service design, anything around design thinking. So this is where obviously the light bulb went off in my head. And I said, hey, (laughs) I know someone who can help me with this. And this is really, I suppose, where Rodan and myself started working very closely together. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, back to that point around psychological safety, Jane said, look, I I need you to push the envelope here in terms of you actually said it. You're facilitating Mm. learning. You're not a lecturer. So don't. Yeah. Don't even use that word. We're facilitators. And I said, great, cool. And that kind of gave me a mindset around, well, I'm designing a studio experience. Yeah, and yeah. Um, even in terms of design thinking, like in its purest form, it doesn't have any upstream problem. Universities they say, "Hey, we've got a wayfinding problem." Mm. This is design thinking. You're like, it's service design, and where did the problem originate from? Whereas I, I just said, "Hey, let's get out and ask lots of questions." That's it. Yeah. So it was like it's, research and prototyping it was a huge. Part. A, it is an instigator, really, for lots of other opportunities for further downstream. But going back to the thing, like, do, do you ever whip out the bricks at home and go, listen, look, I'm having trouble with this. There's uh, the garden hasn't been done. And <laughs> this, is how, this is how I see it. This is my tower. <laughs> yeah. And then you just look at the tower and kind of go, OK, I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Jane, Jane uses an elephant. She just, when I'm getting a bit <laughs> little yeah. to tell me I need to exercise a little bit more. But honestly, yes. I mean, we've strategized our own business using Lego Series Play. Mm-hmm. We've built our system. We're like, mm. a, 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 what is this company? And, and how do, who are we? Mm-hmm. Who are we in this company? What, yeah. what is our strengths and weaknesses? And we're li- look at constantly iterating on this method because you have to. Mm-hmm. Like you have to yeah. understand it. Like, like you said, it's around playing a guitar, 10,000 hours. It's like mm-hmm. you, you'll only have insights into how effectively it can be used. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think, the benefit of, of both of us being in this business because it doesn't feel weird. If your yeah. husband was to bring home the Lego and start communicating to you using Lego, <sighs> might feel a bit yeah. weird. But, and also, we, we yeah. get very attuned to how difficult is this build? If I'm to bring this type of build into, the, into a workshop setting, how difficult is it? How abstract is it? How, flow is such a fundamental component of any workshop, I would say. And, and you want to ensure that the, the skill level is, is a couple of percent above or, or within grasp of the challenge that you set people. Yeah. And, we get that from, from yeah. using it. And I think for me as well, 
even now, I suppose from my own experience as a manager, I participated and, and ran many team building sessions for my staff. And they were great and they were nice and they were fun, but they didn't tick the box. They didn't give everybody the opportunity, especially junior staff, to participate in these conversations. And as I said earlier on, the answers are in the room. And where I really feel people empowered is you're listening to me. We have the answers, as opposed to sometimes more traditional, maybe consultants that might come in and do lots of PowerPoint slides, whereas you're kind of ignoring these voices who live and breathe this every single day. And I think for us, we really see people being empowered where they're being forced to listen to. Because in traditional meetings, we talk about lean forward and lean backwards. In, in a traditional meeting, everybody is always leaned backwards. They're not really that engaged. And some of the great photos that we have from some of our workshops is everybody is leaning forward and they're listening to their colleagues because you're being forced to listen. You can't interrupt anyone and that's really important. And you can mm. never question anyone. It's not about the person. You can only question the build. And I would say that, you know? that in terms of yeah. uh, the husband and wife dynamic mm. as well, it, it really helps because, yeah. you know, you, you have to listen to me because we're doing Lego Series yeah. Play and this is my perspective on it. And yeah. it, it because... Business partners, or, or be it husband and wives, you just want to rush in mm -hmm. to, to to solve the problem, and you don't listen. Yeah. You don't mm -hmm. listen enough. So it has helped us in terms of our marriage, communication, <laughs> our communication, communication yeah. um, and and of course, like play. And this mm -hmm. is the thing we're really fascinated about: is like what is play and why do we play? Mm -hmm. But if you really scratch the surface, play is so underrepresented in the psychological um, space in terms of yeah. Um, like really helping people who have trauma and who have challenges in their life. And Lego series play, you, you mentioned it before, Jerry, is that mm. it kind of feels like that. It feels like, yeah. and it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why? Why is this? Why is play so effective? And that's mm -hmm. where we think there's a bigger, deeper question of like, yeah. what is play and why do we play? Mm -hmm. It has the potential there to like release the valve. Mm. Yeah, for, for organizations. That, that's what I'm hearing. And that's what I've learned from, from speaking with you today. It can definitely be a great competitive advantage for, for so many organizations. And yeah. you know, we do believe that play and playfulness can be that competitive advantage for, for yeah. many organizations that, that we're working with. So it is really, I suppose, us continuing the journey about, around reframing this misconception that play is predominantly for children, but you yeah. know, adults can embrace it and reap the benefits. And so look, yeah. go on, Ron, you're going to finish off. Just, yeah, final point. I was going to say that spirit of play, it's, it's hardwired into us. It really is an implicit uh, emotional system. Technically, it's an emotional system. And that to us is, it takes us down into the, the, what is the human-centered? We're going to talk about human-centered design. Like, what is mm -hmm. the human-centered? Like, what is it? And, and, and the research that we've done, and there's a, an incredible um, researcher called Yak Pansa. And he's identified seven emotional systems within the, the human brain. And it's more your, your limbic, your more primitive part of your brain. And play is one of those emotional systems. So it is, it is deeply encoded within the very fabric of who we are. And yeah. that to us is kind of where the human center resides, because play is very much around social connection. And social yeah. connection is connected with empathy. Mm -hmm. And play is also in terms of your environmental connection. So like, you know, if you're being playful with your environment, you're, you're testing resources. 
And if you're testing resources and you're being playful, that's called creativity. So really creativity yeah. and empathy, they, they're sitting down in, in a part of our brain and the human spirit that we don't even have to like actively think about. We just need to unleash it with, with some tools. And that's where Lego serious play and serious play really come into it. Absolutely. And if organizations can take a fraction of that away from, from one workshop or one mm-hmm. interaction with serious play, that's, that's a huge positive mm-hmm. because they've wasted years arguing and having ineffective meetings and yeah. just going around and around in circles. But look, we're coming towards the end of the show. If people want to reach out to you and learn more about what you do, how might they do that? I'm looking at you, Jane. Okay. <laughs> Obviously on our website, all of our contact details are on our website. So www.howmightwe.ie. And then and anyone on Twitter? And then they can also send us an email. Yeah. Jane at howmightwe.ie or Ronan at howmightwe.ie. Yeah, we're on Twitter. And, and we're on Twitter and, and we're on LinkedIn. LinkedIn and we're on all the socials. <laughs> so we're on all of the social, all social the platforms. Stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. I'll throw a link to all of those in the show notes. Jane, Rona, thanks so much for your time today. It was really enjoyed chatting with you. Real pleasure, Jerry. Thanks Real so pleasure. much. Thank you so much. Take care. So there you have it. That's all for this episode of Bringing Design Closer. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisishcd.com where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. Now, if you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is HCD newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishcd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.